Hello and welcome to Dog Talk with me, your host, Nick Benger, the ultimate podcast to help you take the next step in your dog training journey by learning from the best experts from around the world. Hey, Get In Shape Timber is here. If you missed that episode, basically me, John McGuigan, Taz Nichols and Steve Goodall are competing to run the furthest accumulated distance in September. We're also not allowed caffeine. We're doing this all for charity, so you can follow our progress in the Facebook group Get In Shape hyphen Timber. And if you have the ability to donate, obviously we would great, greatly appreciate that as well. I'm also going to be doing something really exciting soon that's hopefully going to be released in October. I can't give you too many details about that, but just kind of keep your eyes open. <laughs> keep focused on, you know, what's getting put out there because it's going to be really exclusive. And I don't want those of you that listen to the podcast to miss out on it. Today, I'm talking to Laura Ryder. Laura is the head dog trainer at Morley Vet Center in Perth, Australia. Along with Fiona Cowie, she runs the Australia branch of the Institute of Modern Dog Trainers, and she's a member of the Fear Free Speakers Buru. So let's get into it. Well, hey, Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. Thank you very much for the invite. Well, it's really good to get an opportunity to talk to you because obviously you're coming to the UK soon, and it's it's just nice as well to talk to the kind of Australia segment of the imdt because i think being uk based we're so familiar with the uk imdt that sometimes it's easy to forget there's all this other stuff going on all over the world and also australia is probably one of the biggest listeners or listening audiences for this podcast so this is going to be really relevant to them yeah very cool yeah absolutely i think there. i don't know there's just always been something about the uk um and australians I don't know. We just, um, I don't know. We're family across the seas. <laughs> it does feel like that, actually. Mm. It does feel very connected, I think, Australia and the UK. Um, and it's cool that, to have those collaborations. So obviously you're coming over to the UK soon to give your talk on, well, I'll let you explain it, but it's kind of mm-hmm. how training and veterinary practices can kind of work together better, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So um, the lovely Steve Mann has got me, putting me to work. Um, So I'll be over. uh, I'm presenting in uh, St Albans on uh, Saturday, the 12th of October uh, for IMDT UK. Uh, And, yeah, so the topic is fear-free working together, so dog training and behaviour in the veterinary clinic. Um, So I've worked at a vet clinic for, uh, I've been there for 24 years now. I started as a kennel hand when I was at school and never left. I, I love Morley Vet Centre where I work and um, my boss is a vet behaviourist, uh, so I'm very fortunate that he's always been very supportive about training and behaviour in the vet clinic. Um, but I don't think that's that's always the case. I think sometimes um, it can be two very different schools of thought, you know, out there. Uh, as to what the what we're doing in the vet clinic and then what dog trainers are doing. And I think that it's it's such a thing. We should all be collaborating and working together, uh, you know, helping clients and most importantly, helping our pet dogs. Um, and us as dog trainers, we can do so much um, to prepare them for coming into the vet because I think uh, for, especially, you know, you think about a novice new puppy parent and, um they can be quite, I guess, reactive about husbandry and handling and that kind of thing. And the first time they touch puppy's ears is when the vet's gone, oh, he um, has an ear infection and he has these eardrops and this is what you need to do. Um, and so the vets obviously are really busy. We get it. Vet clinics are crazy busy. We have 40 staff. We've got eight vets. It's, it's always crazy and it's heaps of fun, but it's a bit manic. So the veterinary staff often don't have the time to spend with the clients um, going through all the training and behaviour. Um, but that's where we as, as dog trainers, you know, 
this is us, this is what we do. And so I think it's really nice that we're seeing more and more that we can be working together with the veterinary staff. Well, vets have like a huge disadvantage and so do some of the other things that we're getting to like groomers and all that kind of stuff. But, mm. you know, when you first get the puppy into the vets and, you know, your first trip to the vets is usually to have them vaccinated. So they're getting injected and, yeah. you know, they might be kind of um, manipulated around to do a little health check and stuff. So, you know, the first few visits to the vets are almost always negative aren't they and and i think that that's a big reason as to why there are so many adult dogs that are terrified of going to the vets so it does make sense that we do need to work together better on it another one that i see all the time you know someone was telling me the other day about a young puppy that's really really nervous of pretty much the whole world right like the outside world and their vets had told them not to take them outside because he hasn't been vaccinated yet. But, you know, I think the vaccinations have gone a little bit wrong between the breeder and the new owner. And, you know, this dog is, uh, you know, older than it would ordinarily be before it's vaccinated. Um, and, it, you know, still hasn't really had any experiences uh, no. and is terrified. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And I think that this is, this seems to be what you're getting at, right? Like we need to work together better so that we can kind of come up with solutions that incorporate those two worlds, right? Like the veterinary world and the, um, and the training side of things. Cause a huge reason that so many dogs get put down is, you know, behavior, right? Yeah, abs absolutely. You um, summarized it beautifully. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my work is done. <laughs> Sorry, I start ranting and I can't shut up. <laughs> but but ab absolutely, we we need to be we need to be working together as as you know as a team more. And and like you said, those new puppies that come into the clinic, um, those first couple of negative experiences, if that's what it is, um, that really quickly snowballs. And, and now we have, you know, um, a patient that comes into care that, you know, the vets find it really, really hard to examine and treat and the client's struggling at home because they can't medicate. And, um, and it can be simple things. I mean, from, you know, toenail trims, uh, you know, that it's a huge one, right, from baby puppies that, that can cause a lot of stress for, for them. So, so maybe you can give us the vet side of this. You know, how is this viewed from the veterinary perspective, how do they see training and behavior? How do they think about dogs coming into the practice and, and kind of trying to, I mean, do they think about like trying to prevent uh, fear down the line? You know, what, what's their perspective on this? Yeah, sure. I think, um, well, I guess, again, I'm lucky. I, I, we have a very forward thinking boss at the clinic. And so uh, everyone, all the animals that do come into our care, it's definitely something we're very mindful of. Uh, is behaviour. Um, all the staff at Molly Vet uh, are fear-free certified, so we've all kind of committed to that extra training and, and are really passionate about making sure that we're looking after the medical well-being but also their emotional well-being. Um, so that's where I am, but I do. I speak to lots of uh, especially young nurses who are working at other clinics um, and the culture, you know, is it's still a little bit dated, I suppose, and the old idea of, you know, if it takes three nurses to restrain the dog so we can get the toenails done, well, it's quick and let's get it done. And I think that's where it's kind of gone. It's it's about we don't have the time, I think, is what we get hit a lot with um, when, when people kind of question training and behaviour in the clinic and, and how we can improve that. Um, and I get it. Clinics are busy. Veterinary staff are, are flat out. They don't know when the next emergency is going to walk in the door. Um, but I think, I don't know if it's, if it's cultural uh, that we're always looking for the quick fix rather than long-term goals. And so even though it might, it might be really quick and they get it done and those nails get trimmed and that puppy is restrained and it, it's all over. But the next time that puppy comes in, it's going to take longer and longer and longer to the point, you know, that's when we're then looking at pre-visit pharmaceuticals or even to the point we have, you know, animals that need to have, you know, full anesthetics to, to be treated for, for really minor procedures. Um, yeah. Whereas I think changing the way and looking at that, yes, putting that little bit of time and effort 
into doing a bit of training with those animals when they first come in. Absolutely, it can take a little bit longer to start with, but then the opposite happens. Next time they come in, it's a little bit easier, and then it's a bit easier, and then it's yeah. I don't know what the fear free protocol is and we're going to kind of get into mm-hmm. that more, but what always shocks me is how few vets, you know, are using treats are trying to kind of create a positive experience. And I guess you're right. It is probably more about let's get it done and let's wrap it up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Cause we've got the phone ringing off the hook and we've got, you know, three or four more dogs sitting in the waiting area, you know, waiting to get in to see the vet, it, you know? So how can they, how can they find the time to do this kind of stuff? Uh, I guess that's where it does. I guess it comes down to things like us as the trainers getting in there and being proactive about it. So I'm a big one for, you know, we see those puppies in, puppy classes in dog training classes and and getting that husbandry uh, and getting those handling skills to the clients. So they may not be perfect at it, but absolutely they're spending that bit of time and getting getting the dog used to being handled, introducing them to some of the tools that might get used in the veterinary clinic. So when they do come in to see the vet, um, it's gonna it's gonna go a lot smoother because we've kind of we've upskilled the client, I suppose, is where is where I focus. Um, with my my clients that are in my classes right that's interesting because i think a lot of dog owners are nervous about vet you know if they do know what they're doing if they do have those a bit more skills they're nervous when they go to the vet's office that of kind of having that conversation you know is the vet gonna think they're rude is a you know is the vet gonna listen to them Mm. uh people get very nervous about that yeah, it's a bit like going to a doctor. You know, it's this professional that they're kind of up on a pedestal and, and you know, and and rightly so. They've spent years and years studying to, you know, become the amazing vets that they are. Um, absolutely, it can be difficult to have that conversation. Um, but I think it's about um, giving our clients the tools. And a big one is we talk about body language and so that they can see, see their puppy and if their puppy is looking worried, um, you know, to to be an advocate for their dog. Uh, and sometimes, sadly, it does mean kind of going, well, maybe we need to find another vet um, that, that okay. is going to listen and is going to take the time. Yeah, because I, you know, I do occasionally get messages from people that either work at vets or mm-hmm. have ex- have their vet is is a little bit more old school, you know, and is a bit more skeptical of, of dog training and, uh you know, isn't, you know, doesn't share our viewpoint kind of thing is, is, yes. And, and I think that they can really struggle in that situation, especially those people that are working in that practice of trying to kind of educate from the inside kind of thing, I guess, trying to mm-hmm. spread the information and, and change the, the viewpoint within their veterinary surgeon. Yeah, absolutely. Culture is, is absolutely, it's hard to change. Uh, and if it comes, really, it comes from management and it comes from, you know, the bosses and, and if, if they're not on board, it can be an uphill battle to create change. I think you were, I think it was you that was telling me about, um, you know, one of the cool things about Fear Free, one of the selling points is in the marketing, right? Like, you know, if you go and you do this stuff, then you can then market your uh, vet's office as being fear free, right? Which is going to attract people that are a little bit more educated of, or have been to your classes or another dog trainer's classes and are kind of aware of the scheme. Because I do get it, a lot, especially when, uh, I mean, this isn't a good thing, but especially when others aren't doing this stuff, right? Like yeah. it makes you stand out. Right. Because I get, a, a, you know, I talk to a lot of clients that aren't happy with their vets, but they don't really know where to go or, you know, they're asking for a recommendation. And if there was a vets that, you know, had been through this program, you'd feel a lot more confident about it, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, absolutely. I think uh, Fear Free have, have a great um, certification program and how they've set it all up in that it absolutely, it gives the veterinary staff those skills, like I said, to be looking after the emotional well-being as well as well as their physical well-being. But from a marketing point of view, um, it's it's drawing in new clients. Uh, people are, you know, they're, 
they're starting to seek it out. Those educated pet dog people, that this is this is the gold standard they want from their, their vet clinic. Um, and if that helps to create change and to change the culture in that clinic, then let's run with it. Let's go with it, you know, because um, at the end of the day, you know, we want to keep our clients happy and we want to get new clients through the door. Uh, and if by saying we're fear free certified, then then I think it's a it's a it's a great way forward. Yeah, because you know, I think that some of the objections are business objections, aren't they? You know, we don't have the time, we wouldn't be able to, you know, sustain ourselves if we were taking longer to do our consultations and we were, you know, it's just a financial kind of decision, I guess. But if if you say, well, look, here's this fear free, fear free certification, and it is a selling point for your business that like you get more clients, and that handles some of the objections, I think, to it. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And we've definitely seen it. I mean, at the clinic that I work at, we have clients that, oh my goodness, they travel from miles and miles around to come to us because because we're fear free. Um, so I think that 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 speaks and I think other clinics start to see that and and you know they they want to start offering that that same level of care to their clients and their patients and it's not just the vets either because you know we've spoken in the past about the whole situation with grooming you know Mm -hmm. like I feel like I've had a lot of experience with knowing a lot of dog groomers and some there isn't really much education there in terms of the training stuff and what is there is often shockingly bad to be honest you know like advice of just you know if the dog is um trying to nip you or anything like that pushing them off the table you know like really quite like shocking advice Mm -hmm. that would make you really angry as a dog owner and that's the sort of stuff that is taught on the grooming courses which just absolutely mind-blowing yeah so yeah it's scary and i think it's um i'm guessing it's the same in the uk as here in australia but just like dog training grooming is completely unregulated um and that is it's a it's a really scary scary factor so again, there's the groomer's course of fear free. Um, and I think again, if I see a groomer that's taken the time out and, and put the effort into going and getting this certification and, and continuing their education, um, then absolutely I'm going to, I'm going to be more likely to, to recommend them. What's your opinion on the whole kind of leaving the dog with, it's usually the vets that do this. Like a lot of the times you hear the advice, um, well, if you just leave the dog with us and we'll do it kind of thing, if you step out the room, like what's your opinion on that? Because you hear people say that a lot, you yeah, know, and the, vets, you know- the vets will tell mm-hmm. you, well, you know, the dog will be fine. You know, if you, if you aren't in the room, he's picking up on your fear or whatever it is. Yeah, that's it. I think, um, I don't know. I often think about, you know, the one we say in dog training is that we're always training the dog in front of us. I think we have to remember that there's the human client in front of us as well. Um, and yet, I mean, sure, sometimes if a client is really, really stressed and that, and that dog is reading that and feeding from that, I, I, I can see that side. Um, but I think most of the time what's happening is that the, the dog's shutting down, you know, so it appears that the dog's better behaved when the client's not there, when they get taken out the back. Um, but chances are they're trigger stacked and they're stressed and, and off that they, they're shutting down. And so, again, it might seem like, oh, yeah, we got the job done today, um, but I always question how's that dog going to feel when he next walks through the clinic store? Yeah, it's, it's kind of shocking how people don't realise about the whole shutting down thing. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. when the dog... So for people that don't really know, when a dog gets very nervous, oftentimes one of their reactions is to what we call shut down, which is where they just freeze it's ba- they basically just freeze up and don't do anything right and you know I, I, this happened with my little terrier when we first got him he was so nervous because he came from a puppy farm and he hadn't had any you know any anything really um and you could do anything with him you know you could cut his nails you could give him a bath and all that kind of stuff and his tail would stay very tucked under his ears would be back and he would just stand still like a statue mm. And then as he started to get more confident, what became obvious was he had a real phobia of having his 
nails cut. Like he would just freak out. But when we mm-hmm. first caught him, he wouldn't do that because he yeah. wasn't confident enough to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was actually so nervous that he would just stand like a statue and just accept it. And I think some people think of that as being like uh, convenient or like it, we don't have to worry about it because he's shut down. Mm-hmm. But actually that is not good. You know, that's, that's only going to contribute yeah. to those negative associations, right? That's it. That's it. And and how long is it going to take? How far is that dog going to have to be pushed before freeze isn't the choice anymore? That they're like this. This isn't working, and they go to they go to fight. Yeah, you that's know? another. And, serious and then concern. we have the dog that's labelled aggressive. You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do worry sometimes about. This might, I hope this doesn't come off in the wrong way, but like, you know, sometimes when people use uh, like shirts and all that kind of stuff, and I do think that they are really helpful for some dogs, but you have to be careful when you use some of those uh, things that you put on the dog, like thunder shirts and stuff, that what you're seeing is a dog relaxing and not a dog shutting down, right? And it's not yeah. just those shirts, it's anything you put on the dog. You, you have to mm-hmm. be able to, you have to make sure that you're discerning the difference there, right? Yeah, or any piece of equipment. Yeah, yeah any absolutely. Piece of equi- muzzle, equipment. harness, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that all comes down to the trained eye and, and we've, got to, we've got to be really good at body language, you know, um, and be able to recognise the difference between that calm, relaxed dog and, like you said, that, that tense, shut-down dog who, who's, who's not coping. Yeah, you know, it, it reminds me of uh, there's this classic moment, and I hate to to bring it up, but on the uh, on the Dog Whisperer show, I remember it going viral at one point, where oh dear. <laughs> where he has a parrot. Have you seen this? He has so the the dog is basically afraid of the parrot, and okay. one of the one of the dog owners' complaints is, well, my dog you know, won't even let me kiss her, right? If I try to kiss her, she just wants to bite me. And he goes, well, just put the parrot on your shoulder and then kiss the dog. And so she does, and the dog goes into shutdown because the parrot's on the shoulder and allows her to kiss the dog and this given, you know, it's, oh, oh my God, it's a miracle. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that could go so wrong. So, so wrong. <laughs> yeah, that went, that was one of those viral moments. But, you know, it's like stuff like that. If you don't know what you're seeing, it can look like good behavior, right? It can look mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just a good, relaxed dog, right? Yeah. But actually, no, your dog is shut down and you have to be able to see that kind of tension in the dog, right? Yeah. Because that's often what you're seeing, isn't it? It's more yeah. like a tension. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that comes down to, like I said, this is, this is our job. As dog trainers, this is what we do. So whether we're educating the client to be really, really good at reading those subtle body language signals um, and absolutely educating the veterinary staff because, um, again, you know, amazing vets. They've probably wanted to be a vet since they could talk and they've worked their butts off to get there. Um, and through no fault of their own, really, it's through a lack of education. It's just not covered in veterinary school as much as I feel it should be, but I know that (laughs) I'm very biased, Um, and there's so much for them to learn. My goodness, there's so much for them, you know. So hats off. I am amazing vets, especially the team I work with. Um, I'm very lucky. They're lovely, lovely, um, skilled practitioners, Um, but I'm, I'm often surprised at the, the lack of education with, uh, you know, just simple behaviour, body language, that kind of thing. But, again, that's, that's our role. We can be in there. We can, we can be working with them and helping. Well, that's why I'm such a fan of all of the new courses, you know, the fact that people are getting all these courses out there, online courses, all this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. sometimes you see dog trainers complain about this. You know, they're kind of like, oh, you know, it's so cringy or, oh, it's just all marketing. It's all blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, oh, more people trying to make money out of the dog training and whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, if our goal is to, if our goal is truly to educate people, Mm -hmm. then what the hell are we complaining about? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I've, I've said it many times in a perfect world, we wouldn't need a fear free certification. 
but it's not a perfect, it's absolutely not a perfect world. And so it's wonderful that it is there and it's such a great resource that we can use. And again, it's online, so it's accessible to everyone. Well, dog trainers really need to embrace marketing, I think, because marketing is how you get your message out there, right? Yeah, and if, and like I, I said, yeah. if your goal is to educate people, I mean, I, I had this realization myself, you know, I spent years trying to be the best dog trainer I could possibly be. And, but I realized that somewhere down the line, it doesn't matter. You know, we had this conversation, didn't we, Laura? You know, where it's like the, the best dog trainer in the world is probably someone no one knows. Right? Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because marketing is so important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think there's some amazing trainers out there, but because they're, there is there's that business and that marketing side of what we do that we do. It's all a bit icky and a bit, oh, we don't, we don't want to do that. Um, that often, do you know what? They're just not, they're not reaching as many dogs as, and helping as many dogs as they could be. Yeah. So uh, with regards to the fear free stuff, you know, what kind of practical applications can people do for the training? And then what kind of marketing ideas do you have for this kind of stuff? Yeah, so with Fear Free um, specifically, uh, so they've kind of so they've created several different courses now. It did start with the veterinary professionals course, uh, and that's eight modules. It's all it's all online. Uh, a lot of body language, um, gentle restraint and control, looking at uh, clients. So helping educate the clients, and then obviously when the animals are coming into our care. Uh, looking at, you know, layout of the clinic. So how's the reception set up? What are we doing in the exam rooms all the way through into hospital? So the whole process, the whole way that animal and that patient comes through with us um, for treatment. Um, it also goes through, so I think for the veterinary, um, the vets as well, uh, there's quite a bit on uh, so pre-visit pharmaceuticals, so PVPs, uh, and then also for those dogs, you know, things like looking at muzzle training, um, and, and those kind of things for those dogs that sadly have had those negative experiences in the clinic. Um, so it goes through all of all of that and then there's little exams they do along the way. Okay. Uh, and then it really is just getting in there and, and giving it a go um, and, and trying and doing little changes. And even at, at Morley Vet, um, it wasn't drastic changes overnight when we all started doing it. It was just, um, as Ryan Cartledge says, ripples. It was little ripples. Um, yeah. It started changing. He'll like that I said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just started with little changes. We didn't, you know, it wasn't this massive upheaval yeah. um, overnight, but uh-huh. it was just little changes. And having that support, I think, within the team um, has really helped. I think it must be hard for someone who's maybe working in a clinic and maybe they're the only one that's fear free certified trying right. to create change. I think it definitely is nice to have support mm. um and i so, guess that's that's the goal here right is just mm. you know trying to get more people certified trying to spread this information and like you said you know it will it will ripple out from there yeah absolutely there's also for um uh, so there's a really great closed facebook group for fear free um professionals uh and i mean this is you know vets and nurses and trainers from all over the world uh and just sharing experience, asking ideas. We've got this patient in, this is what's happened. Anyone got any ideas? So even if you are a bit remote and you're feeling a bit isolated um, for a Facebook group, it is very supportive and very, very lovely. Uh, so it, it, that's a nice one as well. Um, they also have their own podcast. Um, cool. And then there's also heaps of resources. So we have, for example, the heaps of infograph, uh, infographics, and post body language posters, um, preparing for the vet little checklists for your clients, things like that. So heaps of really cool little PDFs and posters and things that you can use within the clinic that are there and, and ready to go. In regards to preparing for the vet, you know, what mm. can dog owners do or what can what can dog owners do that are listening to this and what can dog trainers help teach people to do in their classes and all that kind of stuff? to prepare them for the vet visits, to prepare them for the visits to the groomers? Yeah, sure. I guess I guess the first thing is to think about that really the vet visit doesn't start when the dog walks through the door. It starts at home. Uh, so 
things like getting the dog used to car travel. Are they traveling in their crate? Are they secured in a harness? So how we're traveling them to and from. Uh, Fear Free also do, we do what's called um, happy visits. So we're encouraging right from baby puppies that, you know, anytime you're going past the clinic, hop in with the dog. Um, There's always, you know, yummy treats on the reception desk. They can hop on the scales. You know, the reception staff always love to give everyone pats, especially when it's cute puppies. Um, And so they just come in, um, hang out for a few minutes, have a positive experience, and then off they go again. So encouraging clients to come in for that. You know, if they need to come in and they're picking up, uh, you know, some dog food or they're picking up worming tablets or we've got a local park just near our clinic, you know, so I often say to clients, if you're coming to the park, stick your head in, come say hi, and then go to the park and have a bit of fun. Um, so I think that that's a nice start that clients can do, just popping into the clinic um, when they can. Uh, in classes, uh, we do, so we have puppy classes and then we have four levels of different training classes. And in all of the curriculums, all our lesson plans, um, every week we cover husbandry and handling. It's, it's part of it in there. The loose lead walking, the recalls, all of that stuff, you know, um, is in there, of course. But we put it in there. This is part of the package. When you come to training with us, um, we're going to get your dog used to, you know, being comfortable being handled. And, you know, whether it's starting being so like our baby puppies in puppy class, they get introduced to a licky mat with some baby food smeared on it. Um, and they get to see and sniff some of the equipment that might be used in the clinic. Um, and we teach our clients how to put their hands on the dog so not to so they call it touch gradient in fear free. So it's to prevent a startle reflex, you know, so we don't just go and grab a puppy's paw because uh, they might startle and kind of be a bit worried about that. So it's about how we put that, our hands on it, on the animal and how we move um, to build up their confidence about being handled. So could you – so? Could you explain that a bit more? Like what is a touch gradient then? Yeah, cool. So how I explain it, I guess really is um, we've all had it done. I guess if anyone's been around horses is the best way. So my old horse, he's 31 now. My army is a sweet old boy. But still to this day, if I need to pick out his hoof, if I go and touch his back, I'm not going to go just touch that hoof without letting him know I'm going to put my hand on him. Because if you get a startle reflex from a 500-kilo horse, it could go, <laughs> ah, very long. I could be on my butt pretty quick, right? Right. <laughs> so you think about when we pat, if anyone's been around horses, you kind of pat them on the shoulder first. So you kind of let them know. And then you keep your hand on them. You run it all the way along their back. You keep that hand on them as you run down their leg. And then you ask them to pick up that horse. So they know the hands on and you're preventing a startle reflex. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because for me, I've not, done huge amounts of horses or anything mm. but i'm my other hobby is reptiles and very into reptiles and one of the things uh, that yeah. people would do with very large snakes is what they call hook training it's not really training to be honest but you just before you go and grab a snake you touch it with this the big hook just to kind of let okay. them know i'm about to pick you up oh <laughs> right. cool yeah there you so, go so you mm-hmm. don't get nailed by a massive yeah, yeah, I python. Could, yeah, that's it. <laughs> a massive python, a five hundred kilo horse. But look what we do to our look what we do to little dogs. It's you know, yeah, we don't think about abs- it. You know, um, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And yeah. then it's just about so the fear free, so the veterinary staff are then so they're trained in touch gradient. So it's also so how we put our hands on, but then also keeping hands on as much as we possibly can. So instead of like stop starting. Um, and again, I guess we've all had it if you've been to a massage therapist or a physio or once they put their hand on you, they tend to keep one hand on you the whole time. Okay. They're kind of working. You know, if you've got a sore shoulder and they're working uh-huh. on your shoulder and then you know you don't know where they're going to touch you next because your head's looking down to the ground. And if they take both hands off you and then all of a sudden they go and touch like your calf, you could get that little startle reflex, you know, oh, didn't know you were going to go there next. Okay, that's with interesting. With a massage therapist, they're actually they're trained. It's touch gradient as well to keep that hand, one hand on you and move to the area they're going to work on next. Um, so little things like that can make a big difference. Um, and um, yeah, but again, five hundred kilo horse, we're very mindful of it <laughs> and a snake, mm. <laughs> yeah. but um, maybe not so much with when we're with our dog um, or our well, cat. Well, that's a you know that's the thing. I think is so fascinating is that a lot of the more progressive training methods come from 
people that have been training animals that are more dangerous, that are more, you know, you have to be careful with, mm -hmm. right? Because they've had to take a more hands-off approach. They've had to develop these more kind of subtle training methods that don't just involve, you know, f for example, like a lot of the positive training stuff came out of people training zoo animals, right? And, yeah. and training yeah. exotic animals. And, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't shove a pinch collar on a lion, right? Like it just doesn't uh -huh. work, yeah. right? But we got away with that with dogs. I've, Ian Dunbar uh -huh. has this bit in one of his talks where he says, the problem with dogs is they're so beatable, right? Like that's yeah. one of his pieces. And he says, that mm -hmm. is, that's the problem with dogs. You know, they, they, they're so easy to get away with doing all of this, you know, horrible stuff to that people have just like that's just what people do you know yeah. and actually i'm so glad that we've got to the point now where people are looking at these other ways of training animals and we're starting to apply this to dogs as well mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah i completely agree yeah, yeah. The, f yeah. the food stuff I, I think the food is really critical i mean it's just in my own experiences my labrador well, he loves going to the vets and he loves going into the pet shop. And for the same reason, when he goes into the pet shop, the person behind the table always gives him a treat. So he would <laughs> yep. desperately try and get into the pet shop. And he knows mm -hmm. if we go into the vets, I'm going to give him loads of treats. So, he, mm -hmm. you know, so he wants to get into the vets. I really feel like, you know, if we wanted to 80-20 this, if we wanted to like apply that Pareto's principle, you know, 20% of what you do gives you 80% mm -hmm. of the results, it would be... Let's use food more in the vets, <laughs> you know, yeah. like if we just did that, I think that that would have a big impact on its own. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, it's definitely one, you know, I think most vets have got like, you know, they've got the little jar of liver treats or something like that. That seems to be the stock standard thing. Uh, but having more than that, having those options out there, you know, we've got a range of all sorts of different treats. We've got the baby food, we've got the peanut butter, we've got, you know, we've got the whole goodies, we've got the stash ready to go to find out what the what the dog likes. Um, mm. We also sell, we have at the clinic and all of our puppy clients get them as, a, as part of their little puppy pack as we have a vet visit kit. So this is, again, just helping our clients. It's just a little licky mat. Uh, with a little sachet baby food. Uh, there's also a little uh, leaflet in there, which prompts them to go to Morley Vet Center's website because I have a little video on there about preparing oh, cool. your dog for the vet. And so they get that. It's only a few dollars. It just kind of covers, you know, what it is. And that way they have this little resource. They can kind of come in with their little pack and in they come. And, um, you know, that's marketing as well. You know, like absolutely. we yep. do that stuff uh, that's really common practice in marketing where you send someone somewhere, say, hey, insert your email and get this free download. You now have them on your mailing list so you can send them offers mm -hmm. and they get the mm -hmm. free video or whatever it is. Yeah. But like, w this is kind of comes full circle as to what we were talking about earlier. But what you were saying there, you know, about doing the licky mat, doing the touch gradients, doing all this kind of stuff in your like puppy class at the vets just yeah. made me think. Oh, you know, how awesome would it be if the majority of vets were doing this instead of puppy parties, which we get yeah. all the time, right? Yeah. Where it's just yeah. like, let's bring all the puppies into the vet reception, let them off leash and <laughs> see what happens, right? Yeah. What if yeah. we were actually doing this instead, the vets still get their good business stuff, you know, they still got the puppies in, you know, mm -hmm. but at the same time, the puppies are learning all of these fantastic things yeah, that's at it. the vets. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But, you know, I think, and you know what, I am, um, you know, so they're doing puppy parties, but, you know, I think a lot of that comes from client expectations. That's what, you know, like that new puppy owner, what they think that they do. You know, we, we think about the definition of socialization for what a new puppy parent thinks compared to us as a professional and how we defined it. And it's completely different. You know, they yeah, do. They see should... puppy party. They see the big dog park. That, that, that's their definition. And so, again, as trainers, that's our, it comes down to, well, how, how can we educate? So that those expectations, when they do go into the clinic, if that's what they're going to, they're going to a, you know, a puppy school at a clinic, that those expectations are set that, you know, it's not, a, it's not a free for all. We've got really important life skills that we're going to teach these puppies um, and defining what we mean by, by socialization, by husbandry and handling, um, that kind of thing. Because I think that if they go into a clinic and I, I, you know, I set expectations 
so clients know before they come, this is this is what's involved in my classes, so that they're not disappointed. They don't get there and go, oh, what what do you mean my puppy can't run around with all the other puppies for an hour? Um, so I think that yeah. we could do that as trainers. Um, and again, to, again, it's education, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and coaching skills, right? Mm. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of coach. I mean, anytime you're running a class, it's coaching skills. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that would make a make a gigantic difference, you know, to, to shift. From, and we should explain that as well, because I think a lot of people that maybe don't know what we're talking about with a socialization, you know, I think for a long time, there was this idea that socialization just means get your puppy and expose them to everything and all will be great. <laughs> and it's like, well, actually socialization isn't created equal. You know, there's yeah. good socialization, there's mm-hmm. bad socialization. And if your puppy is having a crap time getting jumped on by five other puppies and he's terrified and he's hiding under the chair, that is not good socialization. That's not going to help him, you know, grow into a social adult dog. So we have to be thinking about, is the puppy having a good time? You know, and that's really important. Are they learning, um, you know, good social skills or are they learning just to, (laughs) just to, you know, bully the weakest puppy, you know, so, yeah, Mm -hmm. so we have to be, uh, so that's what me and Laura are talking about here. You know, it's, it's getting away from that older idea of socialization of, of just being everything is equal and just being a bit smarter about socialization. Yeah. So that's what, that's, that's, that would be a, a really positive step, right? Because, you know, the goal here really is to have like calmer dogs, you know, in the, in, particularly in vets and in groomers, right? Because, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, the vets and the groomers, they don't want, they don't, they don't want to risk being bitten and, you know, yeah, all absolutely. of this kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we need to work together, don't we? It is. It's all about working <laughs> together. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to, you know, see that you're coming over to the UK. And also, I think that this is one of those areas where it's really important to talk about, you know. And, and how do you think dog trainers can be better about collaborating with vets and groomers because i think sometimes we mm-hmm. get in our own little bubble don't we and, and even yeah. to the extent where even the way we speak right like oftentimes it's like who who can say the most buzzwords like reinforcement punishment differential reinforcement reward schedule <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. and if you're not a dog trainer it's like what the hell is that guy talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So like, how come, and you know, if the vet started talking about medication, you know, I know for, for me, I would be lost, right? If you started talking about various veterinary terms, I would be lost. So it's, it, we need to communicate more, right? Like how can we yeah. collaborate more? That's it. So I guess um, as far as me helping vets, I guess I think about how can I help them? Uh, how can I help the vets? How can I help the reception staff when the phone is ringing off the hook? They've got five clients waiting to be served. The nurses are being pulled left, right and centre because they're like, can you answer the phone? Can you hold this dog for me? Can you help this dog? You know, like, um, so I could help them. Um, and so what I do, I basically create content for them is, is how I go in initially to start with. So and this is just what I do, but I encourage all trainers. I think it's a great idea. However, you want to create content, but I, I tend to do videos. So we have uh, videos on, so there's short and sweet, toilet training, mouthing and biting, sleeping through the night, um, defining socialization, um, how to like puppies first walk, all of these little resource videos that are, again, um, not terribly long. Uh, they're nice succinct and they're going to help clients and so what happens is is for that vet who they've just they've got 15 minutes and they've done the health check on puppy they've vaccinated puppy they've kind of and they're tight they've got like two minutes to go and the client goes oh so puppy keeps pooing on on the carpet like what what can we do and that 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 vet is going to struggle in two minutes to be able to give a nice thorough answer to be able to really help that client Whereas I've provided a resource, you know, they just go, they go, oh, if you jump on our website, our trainer, Laura, has videos on there, go watch the toilet training one. There's others there that might help you as well. 
And then her email, so it's my emails on the bottom of them all. And if you've got any questions, Laura's there and she can absolutely help that way. Same with the receptionist. You know, um, a lot of the time they're the ones that are getting asked about, you know, oh, puppy keeps chasing the kids. Um, and again, they've got four clients standing behind them waiting to pay their bill or waiting to check their dog in and they don't have the time to give a really thorough answer. Um, but it's nice and easy. They're like, yeah, cool. If you jump on, so go to our puppy parents page on the website. Laura's got heaps of information on there um, and her emails there if you need any more help. You know, it's and so that's how I do it. Is yeah, videos. that makes um, – I really do, love – Yeah. I really yeah, love that video the idea. handouts and that kind of, you know, like you can do written handouts, you could have some blogs on there, however you prefer to, to put across your content. Um, but I think it's, it's helping, it's helping veterinary staff because they, they just, they struggle with time a lot. And so we can answer those questions that they get asked all the time um, for them by having those resources. As a dog trainer that doesn't work in a, in a vet, how can mm-hmm. you deliver that content, right? Like, do I email the vet? Do I, you know, what are they going to do with that video link? You know, like, how is, what happens? Yeah, sure. So I guess the main thing would be you could go in there, you could have, so you could have like a little postcard, like, or, you know, no, we don't use business cards anymore, do we? Uh, you know, but a little <laughs> postcard, <laughs> you know, something short and sweet that could link straight to your website that they could deliver straight to the client. This is the trainer we work with. They've got really great ideas on there about toilet training. Have a look on there and they're there to help you. Um, and again, they're helping us because we're getting there. We're attracting more clients um, and we're helping them. Yeah. That's a cool idea. I like that idea, you know, cause you could yeah. even set up like a page on your website, right? Like it could be like, nickbenger.com slash uh x and x vets right yeah and so they can just send them to Mm -hmm. you know and then it it kind of seems more like a collaboration then doesn't it yeah yeah absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah I, i like i really like that idea of content because i think that content is a massive piece in the puzzle when it comes to educating people about dog training Mm-hmm. You know, trying yeah. to make it educational and make it entertaining. And, and that's, yeah. I mean, if you're just providing videos for the vets, that's a little bit different, you know, and, and you don't have to necessarily be like, you know, the next big TV star or anything. But in terms of, I think, as an overall, like as a dog training community, like the more content that we can put out there that is educating and to some degree entertaining, I think mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. just a massive piece in the puzzle in terms of just like progressing the cause. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, yeah, like I said, finding how you want to educate, how do you feel comfortable? Some people prefer to talk in front of the video camera, some pre- freak out about that. Um, and, you know, so it, but if they're really good at writing, you know, they can do some really nice little blogs and handouts and, you know, whichever they want to create it. But I think that that's saving the veterinary staff time and they will thank you for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you raise a really good point there about blogs as well. Like, you know, like written content, you know, mm-hmm. is just as good. You know, like if you're, if you don't really like doing the video thing, but you're, you're good at writing or you can you know, try, or you like audio, right? Like do a podcast, but you know, Absolutely. like any way, <laughs> any way that you can get your content out there. There are yeah. some really cool stuff as well. Like even stuff that isn't aimed at dog owners, you know, like the one I've been reading recently is, I hope I get her name right. Mary Hunter and Jesus Rosales Ruiz. Mm-hmm. They've just got that blog that they've started. I think relatively recently. Oh, I'm going to kill it now. It's like the art, <laughs> the art of something the art i can't remember i'm gonna put it in the show notes so i don't feel so bad but like their, their <laughs> blog has been incredible right and that's hugely theoretical but it's like really cool as a dog as someone that's passionate about it because mm-hmm. i'm involved in other you know um well i say i'm involved um i like reading other content you know i have hobbies and stuff like that you know one of my other hobbies is i love watching ufc i love watching the mma stuff and like I feel like they're further ahead with some of the content 
for, like you know you have far more youtube video tutorials and breakdowns and all that kind of stuff and i love making the comparison to dog training because i feel like hopefully this is where we're going right like we're going to create more content that's educational and is in-depth and you know there's some of the blogs are just so like i'm not really a massive blog reader but some of them are really good you know and i feel like we need to steal some of the <laughs> steal some of that <laughs> from these other little hobbies mm -hmm. and start doing this in in dog training mm -hmm. you know i'd love to see that you know like people that for example use gifs i always say that wrong i always say gifs but it's gifs isn't it you know gifs in uh -huh. their blogs you know like how no one does that like if you did gifs of breaking down the dog training stuff you know here's how i moved my hand and here's how yeah. it impacted the dog yeah yeah i don't have time to do all of this stuff <laughs> but, like, all these ideas sit in my head i did do i did do one once for um, my email list on lead walking and it was really popular but i haven't got around to doing it again but you know mm -hmm. like where you break down things yeah I think, yeah it sounds like you just need to give up sleep and you'll have plenty of time. I need to give up sleep. <laughs> yeah. I, you don't understand how much I'm working right now. I'm killing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. I need someone. I need, I, I, but I love seeing other people do this stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, whenever I see, this is the thing. And as a community, we need to be a bit more reinforcing to people that are putting themselves out there and doing stuff. You know, like I've seen people get shoot down, shot down for the videos and stuff they put up because yeah. well, that's not the way I would do it. And that dog's yeah. over threshold at 36 seconds in. He's like, oh, shut up. Like, <sighs> do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, point out the one thing that you don't like in the video. Yeah, um, that's know. it. That's it. And we look at the veterinary profession and the same thing happens. You know, these vets can be trying really hard to make change, but they get, you know, they'll get shot down for the one thing that, that, that we're like, no, no, you can't do that. It, it's, it's hard, but, um, well, it's, that's it's just even harder, but I feel yeah. like vet, the vet situation is even harder because you work in a practice, right? So you have multiple vets mm -hmm. and different vets are going to have different ways of doing things. And maybe not everyone is as up to date as everyone else. And, you know, and, and you're all kind of tied to one brand name. So it's a little bit easier for dog trainers even because, you know, for me at the moment, it's just me. Right. So yeah. my reputation is just based on me. But if you have a vet, your reputation is based on your five, six, however many vets that you have. And then it's yeah. like you have to organize that team, right? Like trying to get everyone on board with a fear free stuff, trying to get everyone mm -hmm. educated with body language and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's it. And it can, it can be challenging. I think, uh, you know, and when we all signed up, when we all, you know, there was some that were really keen and others that he were a little bit hesitant. Um, but we we all got there. But I think the, the biggest thing I'm really fortunate about is because my, well, he is, he's a veterinary behaviorist and it comes from the top, you know, behavior is important. Um, so I am a little bit lucky that way, I suppose. Well, the it's great that you have someone like that as well. It's, it's important when you've got a team to have like a good leader, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I said that yeah. word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you do, you're part of that, right? Like you're part, you, you know, you're kind of leading this Australia IMDT movement, you know, between. Well, yes, it, me and Fiona Cowie, who's yeah, lovely. Yes, that's it. The two of us are, um, being the change, as Steve calls it, over here. Um, and, yeah, loving loving it. I just got back from Sydney and met a great, great group of students over there. And, uh, yeah, it's really exciting times for IMDT as it's spreading throughout the globe more and more. Well, we were talking about this earlier, but, you know, one of the great things about the IMDT is it's a nice community. You know, people are really supportive to each other. And I feel like, and that's hard to foster. Like, that's, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, that's a good, that's very admirable in this industry that you've you've managed to achieve that. And then also what I like about it, oftentimes I'm always talking to people that are like, oh, you know, I really want to be a dog trainer, but I don't have time to go to university or I don't have, you know, I can't go off and study for X and X time. You know, I can't put up 12 grand or whatever, you know, like, you know, so that they're mm -hmm. limited. 
And usually to those people, I always recommend the IMDT because I think that it's such a good avenue. It's like very accessible, isn't it? And yeah, that was the word. It was right on the tip of my tongue too. Absolutely. <laughs> it's so accessible. And if people are playing with the idea as well, like sometimes I meet people and they're like, you know, I like the idea of being a dog trainer, but maybe they haven't experienced it or they haven't, mm -hmm. you know, they don't really know what they're getting into. The nice thing about the IMDT is they can just do one course. You know, they can just go, okay, I'll just go in along yeah, to that's the... Yeah, Come and try it whatever. out. Yeah. yeah. And then see yeah. what you think and you don't have to pursue it any further. It's not like you're signing up for a year or two years or three years. Mm. You know, you can mm -hmm. you can just go and do one course on whatever interests you, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So where yeah. can people... I've kind of done your job there, Laura. <laughs> I know. I'm like, just, I, it's all thank you, Nick. <laughs> well, I've done some of the IMDT courses and I've really enjoyed them, you know, and uh, everyone that I've spoken to involved in the IMDT has always been very friendly and kind. And like I said, I do recommend it to people, especially yeah. people that need that accessibility yeah, you know. that's it. That's it. And I think, and that all comes from, and that all comes from Steve. You know, he just, um, like you said, friendly, kind, generous, he, amazing man. Yeah. So where yeah. can people find out more about the IMDT if they're, you know, tinkering with the idea of becoming a dog trainer? And yeah, then we sure. go, uh, and then the fear free stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, UK. Uh, imdt.uk.com um, if you're interested in maybe coming along and learning a bit more about behaviour and training and how you can as a trainer take it into the um, veterinary um, clinic like I said I'll be over in October uh, and bookings are through the IMDT UK website for that one uh, and then for the Aussie people, uh, they can find us on imdt.com.au. Uh, so we've got our courses up and um, running over here, which is uh, very exciting. This is our first year um, and it's just um, been going from strength to strength. We've had lots of really lovely feedback and we've got some great students on board who are um, about to do their assessments and nervously excited about all of that. Uh, and then Fear Free, so fearfreepets.com. So there's several different options for certification. So as we chatted quite a lot about, there is the veterinary professionals course, uh, the groomers course. Uh, there's also a dog trainers course as well. You do need to have a qualification um, in dog training and they've got a list on there. IMDT is one that they recognise um, before doing the trainers course. Uh, but they have that, which is a great resource. Um, and they have just, oh, my goodness, maybe three, four weeks ago, if that, they've just launched the shelter workers and volunteers certification. Oh, and, that is completely, cool. and that's completely free, that one. Um, so I think for anyone working in rescue, in a shelter, volunteering, fostering, um, yeah. do go check it out. A really, really great resource. You know, I hadn't um, even thought about that, but that is another area where education is needed, right? Because... Yeah. It's the same deal, right? Like people that are in rescue, extremely generous, lovely people, but don't necessarily know about dog training and don't know about, you know, and those are the people that oftentimes are coming across fearful dogs, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. a lot of the information that they're exposed to is just like old wives tale, like, oh, this guy did that and it worked. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, It's like not based on anything. Uh -huh. This is a good opportunity to actually get some. It's a, it it get, is. It's a great, I it spread the words. Absolutely. Get it out there. Um, and for the other courses, so the veterinary professionals, the groomers and the dog trainers one, um, I am on the Fear Free Speakers Bureau, which gives me the opportunity to offer um, anyone that will listen to me talk um, a discount on um, any of the courses. So I'm sure you can probably put it in the show notes, but yeah, for 20% off the courses, I will just say it. So it's all capital letters, FF, and then my surname, R-Y-D-E-R-1-9. So I'm sure, Nick, you'll put that in the show notes. But if they yeah, want sure. to, that gives them 20% off any courses. So very welcome to share that. And the last little one for pet dog clients, they also have uh, another website. So it's fearfreehappyhomes.com. Uh, really great resource for your pet dog clients. I share stuff um, from their uh, website all of the time. 
couple of really nice body language videos in there. That's a nice introduction. One for dogs and one for cats. Uh, and help oh, cool. again just start that conversation with your clients uh, about understanding a bit more about what their dogs are saying. Uh, and then again, heaps of little articles, there's blogs, there's videos, um, really nice resource for educating our pet dog clients. So it's a oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so Fear Free Happy Homes. Yeah, really, really nice, nice website. Yeah, Fear Free are killing it. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, wow that's, they're doing amazing also I love that there's all these courses out there well thanks so much for joining me Laura yeah thank you so much Nick and um, hopefully I'll um, see some UK faces soon when I'm over there in October I'm very excited I've, the suitcase is already out <laughs> alright see you then alright thanks Nick before you go don't forget you can grab all of the show notes for this episode over at Nick Benger dot com slash laura hyphen rider and make sure you follow our pain and suffering on the get in shape timber facebook group see ya